Welcome to our latest In The Know podcast, where we're going to be discussing investment matters with one of our investment partners. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Janet Mui, who's an investment director at Bruin Dolphin. Um, Janet is a very frequent guest on the BBC, Bloomberg and CNBC. So some of you may be used to her particular voice. Welcome very much this afternoon, Janet, to um, joining us for this. Thank you so much. I'm very delighted to join this podcast. Great. Fantastic. Um, Janet, it's last year, I think, was a year for so many reasons we'd all like to forget. But remarkably, investment markets held up quite well. Um, how do you see that going forward for 2021? We think that this year is going to be about turning that optimism and hope into reality. So I think last year, markets were up significantly because we had a lot of policy support from central banks and governments. And there's a lot of expectation of better growth this year and expectation that the health situation is going to be much better. And I think this year, we have to see that become a reality in order for markets to keep going up. And I think there are reasons for more optimism, actually, like from our perspective, the vaccine rollout is is actually the most important thing. I think actually the rollout of the vaccine is better than people expected because it already has been approved last year in the UK and it started rolling out actually last year. It's actually ahead of people's expectation. And the UK government has a pretty aggressive uh, timeline for that. So by the uh, by the end of April, I think, it is expected 30 million of vulnerable people should be vaccinated. That's kind of around half of the UK population. UK population is 66 million. So it should kind of help with uh, the uh, approaching the herd immunity. So we think that in the second half of this year, there would be a lot of pent-up demand once everything gets back to more normality. So, yeah, we, we, we are positive on the economic outlook and market this year, because primarily because of the vaccine rollout. Right. OK. It's, in, it's interesting you mentioned there, but you mentioned policy support, because there has been enormous amounts of policy support across the whole world, hasn't there? Um, and I just I just begin to wonder, is that is that almost like it's, it's almost like the. A, a false support is it's it's is it what happens when that support starts to be withdrawn what's what are the risks there yeah this is definitely one of the concerns for markets yeah i think that the support has been unprecedented and that has taken up the uh government debt to gdp to over a hundred percent in the mm. uk and in the us and we have actually record government debt in the world as a whole so i think uh, well, it's, I don't think it's going to be a 2021 problem. I, it's hard to see how policymakers can withdraw that support this year because we are still struggling with COVID. I think they need to see a sustained growth before they will start to even think about it. So uh, it will be a concern, for example, in next year. And hopefully, hopefully by that time, growth will be much better. And that will help with the debt to GDP ratio, because if you have better growth, that that will improve that number, uh, technically mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, well, as long as interest rates remain at near zero, mm-hmm. I think this can actually go on. This stimulus can go on because 
I think it depends on the economy. For the U.S. and the U.K., for example, we issue our own currency. We have our own central bank. So effectively, government can continue to borrow, and then the central bank can buy the government bonds in the market. So effectively, kind of indirectly financing all these、uh, budget deficit. So we just need interest rates to remain at zero, and that is why we think interest rate is very, very hard to rise in the foreseeable future. Okay, but although sooner or later they're going, they're going to have to rise, aren't they? Because you can't keep interest rates as low as they currently are. Surely not over the longer term. I think it is possible. I mean, if you look at the UK situation, interest rate has been stuck at near zero、uh, since 2009, basically. I think the U the US has seen interest rate rises, but very modest,、mm-hmm. uh, and policymakers are very sensitive. So as soon as they see the economic weakening. They start cutting interest rate, and we can see how quick that can happen. The Fed literally cut interest rate to zero,、uh, like in a very short span of time. And I don't think the UK has the scope to raise interest rate at all. And if not, actually, the policymakers are contemplating negative interest rates.、Uh, so、right. I don't think interest rates can rise in the foreseeable future, in particular in the UK and Europe. So we could have this environment for for a little while. It's interesting you mention the states there because, of course, in the United States, we've got all sorts of shenanigans going on with、um, the inauguration of the new president. Do you think that's going to have much of an influence on on the way markets perceive things and a change of policy in the White House? It is. I think markets are positive on the new U.S. administration and what it will bring. Well, if if you look at what happened over past. Weeks, which happens in Washington, it is pretty shocking, and there seems to be a lot of political noises, right? But markets are not、uh, affected at all.、Uh, it's still hovering at record high levels for all the key、uh, indices in the U.S.、Mm-hmm. And I think it is because markets think that with the new U.S. administration, the more positive side of the policy will get passed. For example, the bigger spending packages.、Mm-hmm. It is absolutely crucial to help with the economic recovery. But on the other hand, the more left-wing and unpopular policies are harder to get passed because they literally have only one vote majority in the Senate. So、mm-hmm. the more centrist Democrats are unlikely to support all these aggressive policies. So markets are basically telling you that they are、uh, glass half full. Right, right.、Mm. So we, so that's that's a that's a that's a good thing for investors because hopefully if you're in the markets. You're going to you're going to see some positive returns this 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 coming year. As as we we were talk we were talking there, what about the strength of the dollar, and how is that going to affect perhaps glo- the global position? Yes, well, to be honest, actually, if you look at what happened in the trend last year,、uh, dollar actually has been weakening at one point、mm. to the weakest in、uh, since 2018. It has, yeah. Well, well, the recent week we we've seen a bit of a dollar strengthening, and that's primarily because the U.S. government bond yields has risen、mm-hmm. because of the expectation of more stimulus, right? But overall,、mm-hmm. we still see that dollar trend to be weakening, and primarily because we we think that with a democratic government with more spending on the horizon,、uh, we think that the budget deficit will remain quite high. And historically speaking, when you have a high budget deficit, the, the dollar tend to weaken. And another very important reason why we think dollar should weaken is because this year and the next, we are going to have global economic recovery. So there will be better market sentiment and the less need for safe havens like the dollar. So we expect that you know while the near term we see dollar strengthening a bit, the longer term trend is still a, a decline. 
It's interesting that you mentioned you use the expression they're safe havens, Janet, because um, very often at times like this, people view gold as being um, a safe haven and gold has had a quite a good run mm. of late. Do you think that's going to come off now a little bit because people see more growth returning to the global economy? Indeed. Actually, we have been positive on gold for pretty much the whole last year. But mm -hmm. this year, we start to scale back that uh, optimism a bit. It's not like we don't like gold or we don't think there will be more gains. But in the near term, because uh, we are focusing more on the recovery, on the positive side of that story, and the demand for safe haven should be lower as a result. So we, in the near term, we are just a bit more neutral on the uh, movement for gold. Right. OK, that's that's fine. We've also we, the, there were three things last last year in the markets, weren't there, that were impacting the markets. One was the pandemic. The other was the the, the forthcoming presidential elections in the US and the impact mm. that would have. And mm. with the other the other one, as far as the UK was concerned, of course, was the impending Brexit. Um, mm. Now, we've now got a, a deal of sorts. Um, I know financial services necessarily doesn't have the same deal with Europe, as we perhaps might would have liked to see. Um, how do you see that playing out? Because the UK has lagged other markets, hasn't it? Mm. Absolutely. The UK is uh, definitely lagging a lot versus the US and even European markets. Uh, it was down 13.2%, uh, mm. whereas the US market is up double digit. Mm. So I think there's a lot of catching up for the UK to do because, uh, first of all, as you mentioned, that some uncertainty is removed. It's not all. Uh, mm. For services side, we still don't have uh, a deal on financial services and we don't have a deal on data sharing. And we all know that the deal itself has to be reviewed every five years. So there mm. are uncertainty, but ultimately it is a good thing, right? So mm -hmm. there is catch up to be done. And we think that while the UK index, as we know, is heavily focused on the financials and the energy sector, and we think that these sectors should benefit this year as the economy reopens. So I think the UK should uh, be in a good position to catch up uh, with the equity performance. So it's, so it's not unreasonable really to expect that 2021 for, for investors should be a good year. Yeah, that's what we think. Uh, of course, you know, nothing goes up in a strict, strict line. No, never does. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So uh, as we have seen last year, even if at one point you have that 30% correction in the equity market, we, mm. it, it all, you know, the, all the losses were recouped, right? So this year we expect, okay, we, we won't probably see as uh, strong gains in the US. We think it'll be much more modest. But in the UK, we had like negative 13.2% per, uh, return last year. So we mm. think that we should be able to see positive return this year and more better relative performance. But it, it won't be a straight line. So periodically we may see some uh, modest pullback because that's just how market works. Yeah, yeah. Because the other, because the, the, the other question is, is fiscal policy, isn't it? And the impact that will have on, on markets in general because there is a huge amount of debt and we don't, we don't quite know what the Chancellor is gonna stand up and say when he gets up on his, on his um, feet in March. Um, but there is a potential danger that he looks to try to recoup some of this through increased taxation. Do you see that as a major concern or, or something we just put to one side for the moment? I think it will be a concern uh, next year, but I think he'll be flagging some signal or uh, to mentally prepare the UK population that it is coming. So we'll definitely see headlines on that. But in terms of the implementation of that, it, I think it has to be next year. It, yeah. I can't see it happening this year. 
and in terms of the um, mental preparation, I think uh, it will be very uh, gradual uh, yeah. to to let all the people kind of have time to prepare. For example, what one interesting thing we have been hearing is that there's potential to uh, align the capital gains tax uh, to income tax rate and also yeah. to reduce that uh, pension tax benefit, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think it may well happen because it is hard to touch the basic income tax and the VAT, right? Yeah. So I think people would have to look at their finances and think about what, what they can potentially plan ahead for. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th- I think we would, we would tend to agree with that. Those are the areas that we think are going to be problematic potentially. So that's that's good. So from a, if we were to sum, sum it all up, it's um, we've got a bit of a bumpy ride ahead of us, but the, the, the direction of travel should hopefully be a positive as opposed to a negative one. Absolutely. That's our view. So we know that the end game is going to be uh, more normality by the end of the year. What we have is short term struggle. Uh, it's not going to be un- uh, very comfortable. It's unnerving sometimes, but because of the vaccine rollout, because of the still continual supportive policy, we think that the end game is going to be more normalization. So yeah, we think markets will will appreciate that when that becomes a reality. So we are overall positive. Right. No. Mm. Well, that, Janet, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It's been very appreciated that you've given up valuable time to talk to us and record this podcast for us this afternoon we we really do appreciate it thank you very much and uh, hopefully we can call on, we can call on you again at some time <laughs> in the future okay yeah, thank you thank, thank you very thank, much thank you well thank you very much for listening to that interesting discussion with between myself and janet we I, th- I think it was reassuring that looking ahead to 2021 we can be encouraged that investment returns could well be positive um, and I hope you enjoyed listening to what we had to say. Thank you very much and hope to hope you'll join us next time. Take care.